1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 14 through 22. Something that we don't do often is kind of get off the beaten path of what passage we're studying for the time, but this being a unique Sunday, I thought it'd be a, a good time to do a unique sermon. So I do want to speak to you this morning about the Lord's table. This is our communion Sunday. And I think it's very important that we never lose sight of what we're doing here and why we're doing that. So I want to bring you a sermon from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in regards to this. Now we are up against some time constraints here this morning. So you don't have to worry about me getting too long. We can, uh, we, we got to leave at some point because other people have to use this facility. There was a, a mother who didn't get to go to church one Sunday because she was sick. And when her son got home from church, she said, son, what was today's sermon about? And then a typical juvenile punk sort of a way, he said, it was about three hours. That's what it was about. So <laughs> it won't be a three hour sermon today. We, we have so many connections in our society with food. We have holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, birthdays. Even at church, we have homecoming Sunday, potlucks. I know we had hoped to, for our first Sunday back in our building, to have an added dish. I don't think we're going to be able to do that this coming Sunday, but we'll do it soon, as soon as we're able to. But one of the things when it comes to these holidays or special meals in regards to the food that I, I'm always glad to hear is when someone finally says, all right, come to the table. That's my favorite time because that means all the stuff I've been smelling, all the stuff I've been seeing, I'm finally going to get to consume and experience. That's what I want to speak to you about from 1 Corinthians 10 this morning. Come to the table. Jesus is inviting us, come to my table. His table is spread. He, he shared it, we just read with his disciples on the night of his arrest. And he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Drink, this is my blood shed for the remission of your sins. This do in remembrance of me. And we now do this on a regular basis according to Jesus' command. Before we do this, I want to share a few things that you and I need to bring to the table as we come. Let's read together 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are they not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifices to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Let's pray. Father, as we enter into this time of the preaching of your word, 
We ask for your blessing. May our hearts be edified. And may we be prepared as we come and take in this ordinance of the church, the Lord's Supper. Holy Spirit, move among us and do the work that only you can. This we ask through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Begin this morning by saying from verse number 20, that when we come to the Lord's table, we should bring clean hands. Notice verse 20 again. But I say that the things with the Gentile sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Now we understand this in the physical sense for sure. Before we sit down to a meal, we should have clean hands. How many of you, that was your mom's instruction to you every day, if not multiple times a day, before you came to a meal, wash your hands. Or wash up for dinner or something along those lines. You don't work hard out in the yard and then just come inside, sit down, and eat dinner. You have to wash up first. Paul says here that we cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Verse 20, and then in verse 21 he says that again even more directly. We are not to have fellowship with devils, meaning avoid idols. And don't be spending all of our week embracing the idols of this world. And then come to the Lord's table with these dirty hands fully expecting tomorrow... To embrace those idols. Again, no, we're to have clean hands. This is why the Bible tells us to examine our lives before we receive the Lord's communion. We may see something that needs to be confessed. We may see something that needs to be cleaned up. It's one of the things I love about Sundays. It's that break in the routine of life, week after week, that causes me to have to say, where am I at with the Lord? I'm about to gather with the Lord's people. I'm about to lift up my voice in praise, my hands in praise. I'm about to say some prayers. Have I been walking with the Lord daily? And the Lord's table brings that same recognition into our lives. Here we come and thank Jesus for His body given in death for our sins, for His blood shed that we might be redeemed. Are we drinking From the cup of the Lord while also trying to drink from the cup of devils. Do we have clean hands? Anybody here, you ever were sent to bed early before dinner because of something you did during the day? That was no fun. You did something bad. Obviously, it never happened to me. I ate all my meals always, all the time. But I heard this was a thing. You know, you know what, buddy? You you, you, you back talked to your mom one too many times. Why don't you just go on to bed? We'll start over again in the morning. No dinner. Well, when we come to Jesus with remorse and repentance, that's not what we find. What we find is forgiveness. What we find is restoration. What we find is an invitation to his table. I'm so thankful for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. This sermon or the instructions I would give you any other month before the Lord's table, these things are never intended to keep you from the Lord's table. They're intended to cause you to prepare yourselves to cleanse your hands, you sinners, before the Lord's table. Some people get so burdened by their sins that instead of asking for forgiveness, They figure they're too unworthy to participate. And they leave without ever partaking in this worship. There are at least two things that we hold to as 
ordinances, meaning things that Christ for sure put together that we must hold to until he comes. One is baptism and the other is the Lord's table. None of us are worthy of either of these things. We're made worthy in Christ when Christ died on the cross. The wrath of God, Brother Scotty was talking about, was satisfied. Now we can be the friends of God, though we were his enemies. So if we've trusted Christ and the work that he did on the cross, then we're eligible for baptism and we're eligible for the Lord's table. So he authorizes and invites all of us to come and to partake. So when you come to his table, you should bring clean hands. Second, when you come to his table, same as to any table, you should bring a good appetite. Notice verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Now think about what Paul is having to say there. Now this is not a passage that typically you would go to if you said, oh, I want to preach about the Lord's Supper, so this is the passage. There are other passages for that. This is a passage. You probably have a heading in your Bible somewhere. What's it about? What does your heading say this passage is about? You're either already asleep or you didn't bring your Bibles or you don't like to talk in church. Yeah, there we go. This is, these are warnings against idolatry. So I'm giving you that with a sermon about the Lord's table. But think of it. If you were sitting at a table there and you have a plate of idolatry and a plate of Jesus, <laughs> you can't eat both. You can't have a plate of idolatry on Monday through Friday and then Saturday you sort of do half and half and then Sunday it's a plate of you can't do both. It's sort of like your mom used to always say to you, don't eat that, you'll, you'll spoil your appetite. Can you imagine if you had dinner plans tonight, but, but an hour before dinner you decided I'm going to have a bag of chips? You know, ladies, you can, nobody can eat just one. I'm going to have a Coke to wash it down. And man, while I'm at it, let's polish it off with a couple Twinkies. Can I get a witness? <laughs> My wife does not like me to share this story, but I love sharing things that embarrass her from the pulpit, if you haven't noticed. It's a term of endearment. When we first moved from Georgia, we visited regularly. We don't visit down there as much anymore. My parents are in Florida and Aunt Radonna's here. And it's not that no one there is important to us, but you know, life circumstances, time and duty kind of rob you from those relationships that you had. But early on, we lived in Virginia, and then we moved here. We'd go back home a lot to Georgia and visit with folks. And it was wonderful. They, they welcomed us into their homes. They fed us our favorite foods. They would message us ahead of time. You're coming on Friday. What do you want to eat? We'll make anything you want. You know, and it was, it was a great time of food and fellowship. But the other thing we had, we left Georgia. There were certain restaurants there that we'd grown accustomed to all of our lives. They didn't have in Virginia, and they didn't have here in Nashville. And so we also wanted to go visit those restaurants again. We had this conundrum on our hands. We're supposed to go to the Smiths for dinner. Aunt Redonna's my witness. There are no Smiths, right? I don't remember any Smiths down there. I'm making that one up. We were supposed to go to the Smiths for dinner, but we really wanted some of whatever. I'm going to make this some fried chicken from this local place in Gainesville, Georgia. Am I in trouble yet? So... Four o'clock in the afternoon, an hour before a 5 p.m. dinner at the Smith's house, we'd run through the drive-thru, we'd sit in the parking lot, we'd eat some of that fried chicken, and we'd say, mmm, this is so good, and then we'd go to the Smith's for dinner. Now, what do you know about that dinner at the Smith's? We didn't eat like we should. In fact, they would say, are y'all sick? 
Can't you sure aren't eating very much? Well, you'd already spoiled our appetite. I wonder how often we do this when it comes to our worship of the Lord. The, the world we live in day in and day out is it's full of temptation. It's full of the devil's atmosphere, the world, the flesh. All of these things are kind of striving at us constantly. It's a struggle sometimes to even just get here. And then to get here and actually worship in spirit and in truth can, can often even be an, an impossibility. But brothers and sisters, examine yourselves this morning. We're going to take from the Lord's table. We're going to take a bite of bread and say, this is Christ's body. He died for me. We're going to take a sip of juice and say, this is Christ's blood. It was shed so that my sins could be washed away. You can't eat the table of devils and the table of the Lord. You can't drink from both cups. When you come to his table, you must have a good appetite. When we stuff ourselves with the junk food of sin, we lose our appetite for the banquet that God has prepared for us. Psalm 34, 8 tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. We need to taste and see the satisfying goodness of the Lord. You and I are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We are exposed to sin, but we're to be constantly resisting the temptation to sin. And Jesus does give us a promise about our spiritual appetites. He says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. Trust in the Lord. When you come to his table, come with clean hands, come with a good appetite, and then come with time to enjoy the moment. I have plans this afternoon. Who else has? You already have some plans for this afternoon. Kind of an odd Sunday. Let's pretend it was 1030. And it's getting on up to about 1115. And church is supposed to get out at 1130. That's when the preacher should get done. Amen. Or the preacher can preach however long he wants to. Amen. Take an unofficial vote here and see what I get. But you have these plans. You might have meat in the oven. You're not supposed to be meeting someone at the restaurant by 1215. And I'm not telling you those things are wrong, but what I am saying is we've, we've almost let the watch and the calendar become an idol for us in our society. Oh, we, we worship on Sunday. We, that's good. But we sort of leave off all the other days of the weeks because we've already got that penciled in for Sunday. Well, why not just worship on Monday? What if you run into somebody who wants to worship on a Thursday? Is that all right? Can you worship with them on a Thursday? One of the men working around the church this week, once he realized I was the preacher. Now, he called it a temple, and he asked me if I was the priest. And I said, sure, this is a temple, and I'm the priest. He said, all right, I've been wondering who's the priest around here. I want to testify. And he told me about how God had blessed him in his life. And right there in the lobby of our building, with sheetrock dust everywhere, and people running around busy getting all this stuff done for that he and I kind of watered up our eyes, and we raised our hands to heaven, and we said, praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that should be every day. That should be all of life. Especially when brothers or sisters in Christ who don't know each other from the regular gathering come to know, well, they're, they're a Christian too. We have the same dad. His name is God. We call him Father. 
It's a family reunion. What a wonderful thing this is. But often we don't have time for such things. We're busy. We've got somewhere to go. We've got somewhere to be. And we allow these things to, to get in the way. The disciples struggled with this in the life of Christ. He was in a hurry to go help someone in the next town over. And someone would stop him and say, wait a minute, I need help too. And, and you can just kind of read into the disciples thinking there. They'd say, no, no, if he doesn't get to here, this person's going to die. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus ran into this. Lazarus was sick and they called for him. By the time Jesus got there, Lazarus was dead. And one of Lazarus' sisters said to Jesus, you're too late. He's already dead. Aren't you thankful that God is not limited by our time? That he's not limited by our calendar? When you come to the Lord's table, come with plenty of time to enjoy the moment. You know the old saying, don't eat and run. I heard there's a restaurant in New Jersey called Eat It and Beat It. Is this true, Hearts or Shower from New Jersey? Okay. I'm going to have to change my reference now if I ever use that line again because you guys are from New Jersey. And if that's a lie, well, then you can prove. But you didn't prove me wrong, so maybe that's true. I guess you guys could Google it too. Google's ruined a lot of preacher material. You know, they say they designed the chairs in places like McDonald's and Burger King so that they're just comfortable enough to sit there and eat, but not so comfortable that you want to sit there very long because their model is just to move people through quickly. Sell it to you cheap, but they can sell it to more people. Sometimes we're in such a hurry that we don't even enjoy the food that we're taking. We sort of inhale it and we rush on to something else. How many of you are fast eaters? Slow eaters? Some of you just take a long time. Yeah, we've got some slow eaters in my house. I'll, I'll, be, I'll have had my third serving and, and, one, and I'm ready to go and a kid's sitting there still eating. Come on, man. Of course, their mouths are smaller, I guess. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, I wonder do we provoke Him to jealousy. Too big of a rush. We're not taking time to savor the moment. It's unique. We've, we've tried doing the Lord's table at all different times around here at our church. Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. We've tried both of those. We decided we like Sunday morning better. During the service, after the service, at the end of the service, we kind of just fell on. We do it first Sunday of the month at the end of the service. It's the last thing we do before we go home. And then we sing, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. And I can usually tell when some of you are, and you're getting, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Blessed be the tie that binds has either four or five verses. And we typically just sing that first verse. Brother Tom, for all the years you led the singing, just sing the first verse to blessed be the tie that binds. Here's the deal. When I see y'all doing this while we're taking the Lord's table, we sing all the verses. <laughs> now part of that is just because I'm mean. And you can pray for me in that regard. But part of it is to help us to remember, what are we doing here? We're not just doing this thing so we can check it off the list and say to the Lord, oh, we did that, Lord. There are going to be people in the last day who are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I don't know you. What is that going to look like? These are not going to be people who've never gone the door of a church, who've never read their Bibles, any of that. They're going to know to say, Lord, Lord. In fact, they're going to say, we've done many mighty things in your name. And he's still going to say, I don't know you. What it's going to look like is they were faithful to attend. They dressed the part. 
They did the rituals. They felt like they had checked all the boxes. But the only reason they were doing any of it is because they felt like they needed to check all the boxes. There was no worship involved. When we come to the Lord's table, it should be a time of lingering. It should be a time of reflecting. It should be a time of remembering. We should put everything else out of our minds and linger on the thought, reflect on the thought, remember the price paid for our redemption. The spiritual meal should be our focus of why we're here. This is why I planned this sermon for today. I want us to come and linger and reflect and to remember this time. So come with clean hands. Come with a good appetite. Come with time to enjoy the moment. Then in verse 17, come with harmony. Notice verse 17. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. I read about a family who got together for a meal and before long the conversation at the table got controversial. Anybody? That happened at your table, at your family? It doesn't mind constantly. They start talking about current events. The discussion then slipped to political things. Not everybody shared the same viewpoint. Are you all aware that that's a thing? Not everybody thinks like you do politically. Or if you didn't learn anything at church today, learn that one. There are people who disagree with you politically, believe it or not. A guy asked me this week, the painter at the church, he said, do you ever get political? I said, no, nah, man. <laughs> so this family's meal got ruined. They began to argue. Church family, I want to remind you that we can't expect everyone in our congregation to agree on every issue. But we can expect to get along in spite of our differences. Sometimes in my house, my appetite gets ruined because I get so worked up addressing my children's manners at the table that I just lose sight of what we're actually supposed to be doing there, enjoying the meal that mom has prepared all together. In fact, this got so bad, and this was early on. Jack and Henry were little then. It's when we first moved here. Some of you are going to remember me talking about this. Do you all know what I'm talking about? What did I institute? Elbow night. Yeah, we haven't done that in a long time. I had forgotten about it. But on Thursday night at my house became elbow night, meaning there was one night a week. Dad was not going to nag you about your table manners. Now, I still wasn't going to let them be gross. But on Thursday nights, they could eat with their, their elbows on the table, and I would leave them alone. Now, you could say, well, that's still bad manners, and you shouldn't allow that. All of that's beside the point. There are people in here who sit on the right side of the church. There are people in here who sit on the left. Amen? You may disagree with them on their choice of seats. There are people in here who like the big orange. Amen, Brother Preston. Brought him an orange bag this morning. I said that he likes orange. He's a UT guy. I can't stand orange. It makes me sick to look at it. I was glad to get it out of my house. I like red and black for some reason. It's two of my favorite colors in all the world. Some of you voted for this guy. Some of you voted for that guy. Some of you think we should be doing this as a society. Some of you think we should never be doing this as a society. What we must remember in regards to all of this is that we are one body. We've got to allow that which unites us to become greater than that which divides us. And that's a hard task. There's more that divides us. 
There's more that's right in your face that divides us. So you have to work at causing the things that unite us to be at the forefront. That's why we sing, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. In verse 17 here, Paul's making a point of saying that we are one body and we partake of one bread. When I called this week to Pegram Church of Christ and said, hey, back in December, you guys said we could use your building if we ever needed. They didn't ask any more questions. They said, you're, you're, we'd be happy for you to use it. I said, well, what, what do we need to pay you guys? Don't you worry about it. Just come and use it. I said, can we use it at 1030? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's what their preacher said. He said, you can't use it at the time you want to. And I said, ah, oh, come on, be a friend. We, we obviously differ doctrinally. That's why there's this church here and our church there. But in the end, we allow the thing that unites us. Jesus Christ is Lord of all to give us this ability to work together in such regard. Praise the Lord for that. It's a wonderful thing. Allow that which unites us to become greater than that which divides us. There are going to be some areas where we're going to stand firm on doctrines. I'm not talking about Pegram Church of Christ anymore. I'm just talking about Harpeth. And there's going to be some things we're not willing to bend on. There's going to be some things we're never going to change on. This is just how we believe that the Bible teaches and we're going to stick to truth. Now, I'll be honest, if we get convinced as we progress in our learning that we've misunderstood what is truth and somebody can give us black and white scripture references for what is truth, then we're going to adjust or I'm going to adjust. But in the end, when it comes down to worshiping our God, I'm not going to let those things stand in the way. We're going to worship around the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We are all sinners destined to hell. And he kept us from that by satisfying God's wrath. Praise the Lord. So when we come to his table, we come with clean hands, a good appetite, time to enjoy the moment, harmony, and a spirit of thanksgiving. And I commend you for your spirit of thanksgiving here this morning. That was a blessing. Notice verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We need to be grateful for this meal. Any of you have one of these or you've seen someone that has this apron that says, kiss the cook? Those are unique. Jacob has one of those? Is that an amen, Jacob? No. The idea is those who prepare the meal appreciate being told that people enjoyed their meal. When we come to the Lord's table, we need to take it with gratitude and we need not take it for granted. Christ has prepared this meal for us. He paid a great price. He paid with his life's blood. We must come with grateful hearts. This is what Paul is saying in this, this set of questions. Isn't this cup communion of the blood of Christ? Isn't this bread communion of the body of Christ? What is Paul saying? Don't take for granted the ceremony that you participated today as a memorial. Paul is saying here, kiss the cook. 
In Psalm 2.12, David said it this way. He said, kiss the son lest he be angry. Now I know that might sound odd to some of you, kissing Jesus. But my point is not necessarily the physical aspect of that as much as it is the spiritual mentality that goes behind that. Be grateful for the meal that's put beside you. I, I Still to this day, it's a regular habit of mine. My mother cooks a meal. I think I do this with my wife too. I'll have to check and make sure. But I say thank you for the meal that you've prepared and I usually give a kiss on the cheek. Why? Because I love these people and because I'm grateful for this service that they provided to me. We need to appreciate the Lord's table in just the same way. Jesus Christ has prepared a meal for us that cost him his life. If we're not careful, we're going to miss the whole point of that meal. So we come today with clean hands, a good appetite, time to enjoy the moment, harmony, a spirit of thanksgiving. And then we come with loyalty. Look at verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? As we come to God's table with loyalty to Christ alone, this is where our faith is. We believe we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. We come with that kind of loyalty. We are avoiding competition It's not a balance between the cup of the devils and the cup of the Lord. It's overwhelmingly in favor of the Lord. In fact, when it's the cup of devils, we would say we failed. And Father, please forgive me for that sin and help me not to do it anymore. It's like if your family owned a restaurant here in town. You would eat there frequently. You would tell other people about that restaurant. You wouldn't eat at the other restaurants in town because you'd want to be loyal to your family's restaurant. Paul is talking about how people try to eat the devil's table... And then still come to God's table. Well, we serve a jealous God. Verse 22, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? He's not going to compete with or be replaced by substitutes. He demands your undivided loyalty. Eating from the Lord's table means communing with Christ and identifying with his death. This partaking of communion indicates that we are undivided in our commitment to Christ. He's our top priority. He has the preeminence in our lives. So as you come to the Lord's table today, come with clean hands. Come with a good appetite. Come given plenty of time to enjoy the moment. Come with harmony. Come with thanksgiving. Come with loyalty. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together in your word. We thank you for this time now to worship with our church family around your table. On Calvary's cross, you prepared a great feast. And we daily feast from your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the blood that was shed and the life that was given that we might be redeemed. Thank you for cleansing us from our sins bringing us back to yourself. Please bless this time now as we continue our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.